And welcome back, Jimmy B and TC, as we take you up until 6 o'clock here this evening. And, well, full disclosure, this is uh, actually, we're recording this on Thursday evening, right after the Cavaliers polished off Toronto to go up 2-0 in that series. Wolfgang's joining me right now. Wolfgang, as everyone is listening right now, I'm on my way to beautiful Oklahoma. You know Oklahoma well. You've uh, been there multi. In fact, you were there not too long ago, right? Yep, yep. I'll be going there probably twice a year for forever. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love. Did you say you're going to Norman? Is that what you said? No, uh, I wish I was going to Norman. I've been there a few times. Been to Bedlam before, but no, I'll be making my way over. My dad lives right on the Arkansas Oklahoma border. Lives in a little town called Poto. So uh, we'll be hanging out in Poto for Dad's wedding this weekend. And, uh, yeah, that's why I'm making the drive down there. A little three-day weekend and back uh, Sunday night, and away we go for another work week. So we uh, we still wanted to talk, as we like to do normally on Fridays, of course, and this is playing on Friday, but this is Thursday evening. So Wolfgang, LeBron, that performance, and it's funny, I go back to a few hours ago before the game began, we had Ken Silverstein on the program. I was asking him, hey, if this thing gets out of hand, if Toronto has a, a 15-point lead in the fourth quarter, they just get LeBron some rest. I thought Toronto was going to come out and dominate this game after letting one slip away in game number one. Not the case at all. LeBron, guy's a witch. Yeah, first of all, I find it funny that we almost got destroyed by tornadoes today and you decided to go to Oklahoma. Right, yeah. you, are, you are gutsy, man. Thinking that's, ahead, that, that's me. That's, that's impressive. You just keep following them around the country and you take them wherever you want to go. I'm a storm chaser. Um, go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm a storm chaser. You're a storm chaser. Yeah, those people, those people are cray-cray. I might do that once in my life. I can't imagine how cool and, and it, but it's one of those times, man, I'm making a memory and I only need to do this once. I don't understand the people that do it all the time. I could totally see the thrill seekers and why they would love that. Um, yeah, as far as LeBron, I don't know how much of the game he got to see or, or anything like that, but some of what I took away from it was he needs help, and he did get did get help this game. Now, we can't be condescending to Kevin Love, because now, now I feel like we're going to the other side where, oh, look, see, LeBron is getting help. Did you see that? You know, Kevin Love got 11 points, or... No, he ended up with he did 31 this game. That's what they need more of. When you're an all-star, when you're a second option on a team that has a chance to, to get into the finals, probably not to win uh, you know, the finals overall over a Golden State or a Houston, but you never know. I didn't think that a couple years ago when they were going up against Golden State, the best regular season team by record-wise I've ever seen. Bulls up there, you know, the Celtics up there, the Lakers, blah, 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 whatever you think. But they had the record. Um, and LeBron came out, man, and I don't know how to describe this as certain sports where certain guys just get into other people's heads. Mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali, you hear all the stories about how he could do it. Um, you know, he'd go overboard a lot of times. You hear about some of the best trash talkers where it was, you know, if it was Larry Bird telling you he was going to hit this shot over here in the corner and there's nothing you can do about it. And then there's some other guys that went way mean, I think went way too far. Uh, Kevin Garnett was one of those guys. He bringing up cat cancer patient stuff, bringing up people's you know, wives and stuff like that to the point where there were people that wanted to actually meet him out at the bus. Um, that's going a little too far for me. But LeBron is in their head, absolutely in their head. If you, if you watch this game, it's like half the time he's grinning and smiling and going, <laughs> I can take this over whenever I want. 
And if you saw, I don't know how many they said he had. I think they said he had 10 or maybe nine fadeaway jumpers. And these were, these were not easy jumpers. These were sick. And I think one of the analysts said he made eight or nine and a half. And if you can go back and watch that and watch some of these shots that he was making, it's just like, if he's doing that, if he's doing that, and I know it's MJ or Wilt or Kareem or Bill Russell or whoever, if LeBron is doing that, he's the best player I've ever seen in my life. I know he doesn't do that all the time, but I don't know how you're supposed to stop that. Again, he's, he shoots, what, 60% from the field or whatever he was. He gets almost a triple-double. He was, I think, 14 assists, and then he only got eight rebounds. He's the king of coming up like a couple rebounds short of a triple-double. There's nobody that's ever gotten so many close to triple-doubles as LeBron has. But he got another 40-point game, so he's only behind Michael Jordan in terms of 40-point games. The guy is just sick and insane to watch, and I will be honest, and I know this is one game and going a little further, but I actually saw something in the cast tonight. Mm-hmm. I, I saw something. I don't want to give all, you know, I don't want to say it's all Toronto is just, uh, you know, they're wimps and they can't handle it and they've got a guy in their head and they just don't believe that they can do it because I actually saw something from the cast this game. Did you, did you get to see enough of it to even know? or Because or, uh, I really haven't thought they had a chance to do anything, and I still don't. But I saw some potential there. I see where, wow, if J.R. Smith is doing something sure. with that crazy fast release where he doesn't even need his feet set. It's insane. Or if Corver does something. Or if Tristan Thompson now gets over this Kardashian thing <laughs> right. where people are mocking him and everything. I, I can't believe how, you know, of course that would ruin, that would be hard. But he's coming in. He's doing things. He's playing tough. He's setting screens and stuff like that. Do you think, am I just going too far that they even have a shot and maybe making this interesting, uh, this finals, next finals, and then maybe possibly against Houston and the Warriors? For the first two rounds, the next two rounds, absolutely. I mean, Kevin Love, now, you're going to have to help me out. I had it on the back round. I was packing, so I wasn't locked into it the whole time. He had 31, though, and, and it wasn't just he, he was hitting a bunch of open threes, and that's how he got his 31. He, he was doing it in a myriad of different ways from what I saw. And if he's doing that and he's back to becoming an all-star level player, you mentioned Smith and Corver, they're hitting shots. Now George Hill, he's finally giving them minutes. Tristan Thompson wasn't great tonight, but he's had his moments, including in Game 7 against the Pacers. Yeah, they, yeah, they can absolutely win the next two rounds, but Wolfgang, I just think it's inevitable. It doesn't matter who it's going to, to be from the East. Golden State's winning this thing. Golden, Golden State's going to win this thing. I don't believe in Houston. I don't believe in James Harden getting it done. I don't believe in Chris Paul in the playoffs. No thanks. It's it's Golden State. I, I can't see Cleveland winning more than two games. Two games is the max for me in the finals, and and even I think that's a stretch. Can I, it's hard for me to even disagree with you. When I sit there and watch the Warriors and how they were, you know, the best regular scene, season team ever two years ago, and they add Kevin Durant, I still can't fathom that that even that Curry, Durant, Green, and Thompson are all on the same team. I sit there and think about that. And I go, is this for real? Is this? I mean, have they just ruined everything? But you give you give Houston no shot at all because there's a lot of stats, Trent, where they show when Houston. I don't know how many games it is. I'd have to look it up again. But when James Harden, Chris Paul play, and every, pretty much everybody else is healthy on the team, man, they've been virtually unbeatable this year. Yeah, that amazing. You just, do you not like the matches? I agree with you on Golden State. I would, if I had to bet, I would go Golden State. Why? Because I've seen it. 
I've seen them win two championships. I've seen them bend to three straight finals, and this will be the fourth if they do it. So I, I'm not having to make up stuff that isn't true. They've been there. They've done it. And you're not lying about James Harden. He looks like he cowers in some of those pressure situations. I'm, you know, I'm not a huge Chris Paul guy, I guess. But it's hard to argue with what they did this year. And we can all say, well, they haven't done it in the past. And that's true. But you haven't done it in the past until you actually do it. So we'll see. I mean, maybe they could do it. I'm not as poo-pooing of that Houston uh, Golden State as you are, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm, to win the series. And that's obviously what it comes down to. I just I struggle. I struggle. Steph's on his way back by the time we get to that point. How much better is he going to be? I don't think Swaggy P is going to be starting over him by the time we get to the Western Conference Finals. And, and then <laughs> give me Golden State and give me Golden State in the final. It, I, I hate to just want to fast forward through this, but because this, this playoffs has been incredibly compelling compared to what we got a year ago, especially in the opening round and what we're getting here. This is their surprises. You got Utah pulling the upset. You had New Orleans playing well in game two, and now they get to come back home and see if at least they can push Golden State a little bit. This has been a fun run, and I still think we got a fun run in front of us. But overall, there's also the side of me that just says it's inevitable. This is Golden State again. They were just waiting to to turn it on, come in the playoffs, and because they have so much talent and what you talked about there, they're able to do that. Speaking of uh, playoffs, do you, do you get into the hockey playoffs at all? Um, I don't really. Everybody says that you have to. I've got some buddies that are hardcore hockey fans, and they've tried to get me all out. You got to watch this. You got to come out and watch this in the game seven. And I've got to do it because I've never heard anybody say in sports radio other than that's the case. Not one. I've never heard say uh, hockey's overrated. All of them say there's nothing better than game sevens in hockey. Mm-hmm. Nobody. I've never yep. heard anybody on sports radio. So I, I do have to give this a try. I, you know, it's not my thing, to be honest with you, but I'm willing to give it a shot. I totally am, yeah. I, I don't know what I'm watching. I don't know the nuances of hockey. You know, in a way, I, I don't really think there are a whole lot of nuances of hockey. You know, my, my partner during the noon hour, Ken Miller, he's a Canadian, grew up playing the sport. He, he knows it incredibly well. He roots for his Winnipeg Jets, but... No, I, I kind of asked him, what, what do you look for? And he goes, it's, it's not an X's and O's sport that you can break down. There, there are things that you're working to make happen and things like that, but it's a bounce of a puck. But you're right. When you get to a Game 7 or when you get to overtime, sudden death in the playoffs and the importance, it's compelling. Even though I don't know what I'm watching, I love <laughs> watching it. I, I really do. I, I get a kick out of it each and every year. I also say every winter I need to make my way up to St. Paul to the Excel Center. And it never happens. One of these years, Wolfgang, maybe you and me, we'll, we'll make a hockey experience up in Minnesota next winter. Well, how about Vegas? Yeah, now you're talking. How about Vegas? Yeah. I mean, if we're going to watch hockey, let's go do it there. That's one thing I don't understand. How did that happen? Would, yeah. would they have the same rules in hockey that they have in, in basketball or football? Basically, they got everybody who the other teams didn't want and did this? They, they loosened it up a little bit compared to what you've seen with past expansion teams. They wanted it to be set up so they weren't going to be putrid, you know, that they weren't going to be awful. But the the way that this team came together, you know, they had the guy on their team that I think scored six, eight, and four goals, something like that, over the last three years. He scores 43 this year. I mean, it just How is that even possible? Right, exactly. I mean, how is that? I have no idea. But it was kind of a confluence of a bunch of different things. They They wanted to make them at least relatively competitive 
they just got all the right guys and they got the right mix and, and it all worked and the momentum of being there, it all clipped together and it all worked incredibly well. And I do wonder going forward, you know, we got Seattle's going to have an NHL team coming up. They have an expansion team in a couple of years. If they're going to kind of move back and not make it quite as easy or when we get expansion in Major League Baseball or the NFL, when the next time that happens, and it will at some point, I'm sure if those two leagues, which normally just laugh at the NHL, look at what they did here and say, you know what, it makes sense. Let, let's not put these teams right away in such a deep hole. Let's give them an opportunity to get a couple of good guys and, and with the right breaks, maybe you know fight for a playoff berth in that first year. I, I'm interested to see if the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA, if they follow suit with their next expansion. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of some of the, like, Jacksonville. Weren't they horrible? I'm trying yeah. to think of the... Of the uh, now, they got anyway. good quick. They, they, remember, they got both them and Carolina both were good they very, got, very okay. quick. They, the Jaguars, I think it was year three, got to the AFC Championship game. Oh, Carolina. wow. Okay, I yeah. remember that exact opposite. Okay. So they, they got out of the gates quickly with Mark Brunel and company, and, and they got out there, Jimmy Smith, Keaton McCardell. Let's see their history. Jacksonville. Well, that was Brunel back in the day, right, when he was good. Yep. I, I want to say, let's see here. Let, let's bring it up. Jaguars history. Da, da, da. Year by year. So, all right. 95 is when their inaugural season was. 1996, they went 9-7 and seven and got to the year two for the Jaguars. Wow. To the AFC Championship game where they lost to the Patriots. Yeah, and I'd love to look up the other ones because, like, Coughlin, I don't know what you think of him. I, he would annoy the heck out of me, you know, the whole, you know, come to the meeting, you got to be here 10 minutes early. Okay, whatever. But the dude can coach. He's had a lot of success. Two Super Bowls. Now you see what he's doing. Now what he's doing with a, what is he, player personnel guy mm-hmm. now um, and how fast he got Jacksonville going. That joke, that guy is no joke. So that probably is not going to happen all the time, but it's fun to see. Yeah, you don't want them to suck forever. The fans are so excited if they're just going to come watch some horrible football. You don't, you don't want that. Looking at the Panthers, and yeah, they were they were pretty good within the next couple of years too. Interesting, interesting kind of remembering and, and thinking back, but certainly just a, a something that that popped in my head. Yeah, Carolina, year number two, got to the conference championship game as well, losing to the Packers. Just took two years in the yeah. NFL. Damn, that, yeah, that surprised me. I was remembering that completely wrong. Okay, and, and then you have Cleveland. And the Browns, uh, after they <laughs> lost their team, well, they've had one playoff berth, and uh, that is it. A loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers in what's going on 20 years now uh, since they've been back with it. Hey, before we get out of here, uh, there was uh, some conversation this week on the Hawkeye side of things. Tyler Cook uh, going to have has six workouts scheduled right now, but uh, more and more people, Tom Caker had him on the program earlier this week, uh, Pat Hardy, both of those guys said they believe that they still wouldn't put it better than 50%, but compared to where it was to today, a better chance than they thought that Tyler Cook will return for his junior season. Okay, okay. that is good to hear. Now, really, I'd like to do, after I hang up with you, I'd like to do some homework on figuring out the slots. I, I'm pretty sure you only get a guaranteed slot if you're in the first round, Trent, mm-hmm. I believe. I don't know what the difference is between the – 32nd pick and the 56th pick or what guarantee money or how much or who slotted where. So I don't know if he's not going to be a first-rounder for sure. I mean, I would assume he'd come back, but I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. It does surprise me that six 
Well, it doesn't surprise me. He has the athletic, God-given skills that he also worked on to get there. And sometimes you look at him and you go, this guy cannot be stopped in the post if we spread the court and he wants to do what he wants to do. Unbelievable. And then other times where you think he's almost throwing the game on purpose because the turnovers are that bad. Mm -hmm. They're so atrocious, you go, we need to check his vision, make sure he's not colorblind, or is is maybe not, uh, is he having a stroke in mid-pass? Because you don't even know what he's doing there. Now he's improved his jump shot a little bit. Um, So I don't know. Maybe they're just going to look at the upside of this and say, oh, let's just take a shot at this guy. Let's, Let's see what he can do. Let's bring him in here. And uh, maybe we'll all be wrong, and he'll end up starting to play defense, which he doesn't now. He doesn't know how to body up without fouling. Um, there's so much better he can get on, you know, on defense. But maybe they'll look at the potential and say, he'll say, maybe it is better for me to come out come out after year two than having another year three where I will improve. Mm-hmm. But they won't think I'll be able to hit that ceiling ever. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to look at it and understand that. A lot of times it is about what you can mold this guy into and build him up the way that you want to and how much marketability do you have. I mean, best-case scenario, let's say this year that Tyler Cook comes back. He averages 18-9 a game, defense improves. Iowa, he leads them back to the NCAA tournament. They win a game. I mean, I think that's really probably the best-case scenario for this Iowa team. If that happens... Is he even a late first rounder? I, I still don't think so. Unless, I mean, unless the improvements are immense, he is a beast down low. And when we spread the court, sometimes I don't realize what a beast he is. If it's actually, and the way he just goes up, and I know tons of people do this in the NBA. Maybe it's just because I'm not used to watching it at Iowa. It's like I don't, re- I don't remember this. I haven't seen too much of this. Uh, Doug Thomas, I guess, would do it every once in a while, and um, Gary Wright way back in the day, but he wouldn't. Not with that force, that strength, that power. He looks like he's angry at the rim and it's coming down. I'm not used to seeing that at Iowa. But if he continues to improve, what I told you, I think a couple months ago what I was scared about, is he's going to come back. They're going to all tell him, yeah, you need to extend your distance, extend your distance. So he comes back and is being a little selfish. He's not really doing what's best for the team, and he's going to come and shoot all these threes. Well, if he's hitting them, fantastic. He already proved to me a little bit he has a a little bit better jump shot than I thought he would have this year. I thought he did improve, and credit to him for that. Can he take it out a little bit further to the three-point line? Uh, if he can, and if he does, you got something. But, I mean, if he's coming in and hitting 20% of threes, it's, it's just time to stop shooting them. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the other part that you get into is, you know, there, there's a thought out there too, Wolfgang, that maybe Iowa would be in better shape with him just moving on and going playing professionally and, and Iowa go with what they currently have and, and go with the roster as it's currently constructed. And I can buy that, too. If you're getting a selfish Tyler Cook, a guy that's just looking out for his best interest and a guy that doesn't want to play a lick of defense, maybe it's good to just go with the guys that are right there going through things. I could buy that, too. And I see, I just don't know. I don't know if he's a selfish guy. I thought some of the stuff was weird where he was willing to talk. I think you and I both talked, and I'm like, why would he not talk to somebody? All you got to say is, the NBA is my dream. This is a lottery ticket if I end up getting, you know, a first-round guaranteed money. And I love the University of Iowa, and if that's not going to happen, I'm going to come back. Who in the world would, you know, complain about that? Who would give him any ounce of problem with that line of thinking? I can't think of anybody that would get mad over that. Oh, the guy wants to make millions of dollars. 
and play what he loves doing instead of going to class. Who wouldn't want to do that? So I, I thought that was interesting. And then, but you bring up the selfish. If he, I would assume if he's listening to these people and they're talking about improved defense and showing him where you know this is what you got to do here, this is what you got to do here, that he's going to improve. I can't see him getting worse. You know, so right. I, I would disagree. I definitely want him back. But then you talk about well, does Pembla leave then? And you know, I, I don't think we're both huge fans of him, but we think he can be a contributor that is a positive performer. I think I'm not going to speak for you, but that's what I think. No, I I'm I'm a bigger pencil fan than you are, and look back to his freshman season. He was effective. He has to develop his game more. It was just it was such a numbers crunch last year. Too many bodies up there. Difficult to get get just in there and be able to find the playing time. I think that led to some of the frustrations. But Wolfgang, we got a full summer to talk about that. We'll That's wait right. the decision on Tyler Cook coming up here at the end of the month. We're out of here. Good talking with you again. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. You too, buddy. Dodge those tornadoes. I will. I will. Wolfgang, right. checking in with us. You can find him on Twitter at Wolfgang Hawkeye. Always love talking with him. A lot of great things with him. Well, coming up, we have something special for you. The Derby is this weekend. I don't know the Derby, though I make some picks here. Ken Miller knows the Kentucky Derby. Ken Miller knows horse racing. You hear him each and every day from noon until 2 here on 1700 with myself. Coming up on the other side, we go to the expert. Ken Miller, his Kentucky Derby picks. It's next. On 1700 KBGG. All right, welcome back. As we continue on, it's time to look at the field for the Kentucky Derby. As I mentioned, to trend. You know, where's your pencil? I'll get it. Okay. I'll, I'll, I got a pen. All right, I, I'll it's I'll pink. delay until you're set because okay. I don't think okay. you're ready over there. School's about to be in session. Mr. Condon. Bring it to me. Here we go. Make me some money. I hope to, because if I make you some money, I'm going to make myself some money, and that's what it's all about. Let's make everybody some money. I have a strong opinion in this race. There are 23-year-olds. Horses begin their racing career at two. At three, it's their biggest year of their entire racing life. The most money's available via purses. I will tell you this, that it's been since the late 1800s that a horse that didn't start as a two-year-old has won the Kentucky Derby. It's known as the Curse of Apollo, who was the last horse that didn't race as a two-year-old that won the Kentucky Derby and his three-year-old season. I mentioned the favorite, Justify. He did not race as a two-year-old. Will he be the one to break the curse of Apollo? Well, he might be, but if he is, I'm going to come up on the losing end of the derby. Let's take a look at this field. Number one is Ferenc Fire. Uh, he's 50-1 to 1 in the morning line. I think that's a pretty good price for Ferenc Fire. He has the most disadvantageous post position of anybody in this race. Literally, if you were to stand in the starting gate and look straight ahead, which... Theoretically, you're supposed to run straight ahead when you break out of the starting gate. Ferenc Fire would run directly into the rail. It's a terrible post position. He has to hope that horses outside of him uh, start moving over or going to the front and assuming a very quick lead, or Ferenc Fire is going to be up against it right off the bat. I don't like Ferenc Fire one little bit. I'm throwing him out and doing so with utter confidence. He's coming out of uh, these prep races from New York. I don't like the New York prep races this year. I'm throwing out all the New York horses. Ferenc Fire, no shot for me. Number two is free drop Billy. We just had Jason Luch on him. I agree with Jason. Uh, 
Brody's cause, I thought, was training very well going into the race. He ran a decent race. Jay Boyzeko last year ran up the track. I think that Free Drop Billy is going to give the Alba Family Racing Stable uh, a real thrill uh, tomorrow afternoon. Not saying he's going to win, but he's got the right running style. He should be running on late. If there's a real speed duel in this race, and I anticipate there's going to be, look for closers. Not deep, deep closers, but horses that can show some tactical speed, meaning sitting about the middle of the pack before they begin their run. I don't want horses coming from way, way back. At a mile and a quarter, that doesn't translate. Usually, it has in the past. Mind that bird. We all remember him. Um, he scored at a huge, huge price and did so from coming absolutely last. I like Free Drop Billy. I'm going to use him on my ticket. Outside of Free Drop Billy, number three is Promises Fulfilled. If you want a run for your money, if you want to be able to cheer a horse that you bet that is going to be in front at least at some part of the race, he's your horse. Promises Fulfilled is going to the lead. I don't think he's going to be able to carry his speed uh, anywhere near a mile and a quarter. I think Promises Fulfilled might take the field to the top of the stretch before he starts doing the moonwalk. Um, Again, wouldn't be a bit surprised if he's right there turning for home. I will be shocked if he's there when the field crosses the wire. Another speed horse in this race, and one that I'm going to include on some tickets, is number four, Flame Away, and he's a massive price as well. He also was 30 to 1 in the morning line. He's got some speed. I think it'll be him, promises fulfilled in all likelihood, as the two that are setting this pace. Uh, The reason I'm going to include him is I've been watching his workouts um, at KentuckyDerby.com, and I love the way he's working. I think he's peaking for this race. I don't think he can win it, but I'm going to be using him on the bottom of some of these tickets. He's a gutsy horse. He was passed uh, in his last race, the Bluegrass Stakes, and actually came on a little bit at the end, showing he's got some resolve. Um, Flame away. I'm going to use him. I don't think he can win, but he's a big price of 30 to 1. Uh, number five is Audible, and what you're going to see is is I really like a lot of horses that are inside post positions, meaning, you know, there's 20 horses, so anything outside of 11 to 20, I have very few that fall in there. I like a lot of these low numbers uh, in this year's race. Number five, Audible, is one of them. Uh, he lost his first start of his life, and since then he's never been beaten. Uh, he comes out of Florida, where he was the best three-year-old in Florida. He beat Free Drop Billy uh, back in their first start of the year. He won convincingly. Uh, Free Drop Billy finished second in the Holy Bull Stakes. He won the Florida Derby, Audible is. He, he's a must-use. You have to use Free Drop Billy. Uh, he's trained by Tr- Todd Pletcher, one of the best in the game. Uh, Free Drop Billy is a major, major player. Number six is Good Magic. I can keep it short and sweet, folks. This is my choice to win the Kentucky Derby. I love Good Magic. I really do. Uh, he's very lightly raced. It's his third start of the year. Handicappers will tell you that their third start of the year, a horse usually fires his best shot. Uh, You have that going for him. He won his last race, the Bluegrass Stakes. Last year, he went into the biggest race of the year for two-year-olds. Remember, two-year-olds, first year of racing, into three-year-olds, which is the Derby and the Triple Crown year. Good Magic was the champion two-year-old of last year. Uh, He bounced a little bit in his first start of the year, which caused some people to jump off his bandwagon. Um, I I really like this horse. He's 12-1. to I, I would anticipate that he will come down in price if he's eight ten to one somewhere in there i think that's a very fair price if good magic wins it's going to be a good day at the miller household number seven is justify he's the favorite 
He's got the curse of Apollo again. This is this is the uh, this is the uh, the factor, and it is a factor when you don't run as a two year old. It's been since. The 1880-something, maybe 1882, uh, since Apollo won, and and since then there's been no horse that didn't start as a two-year-old that's won the Kentucky Derby. Justify has just been incredible in his three lifetime starts. He crushed the field in his, in his first start of the year, came back and won a nice race, and then stepped up into the deep end of the pool in the Santa Anita Derby and went to the front and just went, um, stayed, stayed there, went to the front and stayed there. He's going to be the favorite in the race. I can't bet him. Again, favorites, they've won this race five years in a row. This doesn't happen. I just want, he may, he may break the curse of Apollo, but if he does, I, I can't bet a short price in a 20-horse field. Justified deserves to be the favorite. Not for me. Number eight is Lone Sailor. Give him no shot at all. He's 50 to one. I don't know why he's in this race. Uh, I, I guess if you were best case scenario, maybe he could gallop up and get a small piece. I don't buy it. Number nine is Hofberg. He's 20 to one. He's also very lightly raced. I think that there's, there's one horse in this race that is still on the improve because of the fact he's been so lightly raced and he's still trying to figure it out. And this is the horse for me. I give this horse a big chance. He's coming out of Florida. He's 20 to 1. He finished second to Audible in the Florida Derby. And again, this will be his third start of the year. Do they peak and start number three? Hofberg is still figuring this out. I think he's got a big chance at 20 to 1 to hit the board. Number 10 is my boy Jack. Um, He's, the, he's got the most experience in the race. I'm not sure that that matters. He started. This will be his 11th start of his lifetime. Small piece of the purse at absolute best. Uh, I'm not playing him. Number 11 is Bolt Dioro. He was the two-year-old that everybody was talking about last year as the best two-year-old bar none. This is next year's Derby winner, yada, yada, yada. Won his first three starts and did so in convincing fashion in his next three starts. Uh, he's been unable to cross the finish line first. He does have a win, but got that via disqualification. Bolt Dioro's a player. He's a player in this race. He couldn't outrun Justify last time. Uh, I don't think he's as good as Justify. Bolt Dioro. He's going to get a purse. Uh, Victor Espinosa is his jockey. He rode American Pharaoh. Um, Got to use him. Don't think he'll win. He's going to be around 8-1. to one. Number 12 is enticed. I don't know why the horse is in the race. He's coming out of these New York races. Uh, he was the beaten favorite in his last start. I like his trainer. That's all about. Uh, that's all I've got to say about enticed. I don't like him. Number 13 is Bravazo. He's trained by D. Wayne Lucas, who dominated the Triple Crown races in the 80s and 90s. It's 2018. Bravazo, for me, is a complete and uh, toss with confidence. Now, here's the dark horse in the race. It's number 14, Mendelssohn, who we've never seen race uh, in North America. His most recent start was in Dubai, where he just crushed a field of three-year-olds by almost 20 lengths. That's getting that's, that's approaching Secretariat territory in the Belmont Stakes. I just used Mendelssohn and Secretariat in the same sentence. I apologize. Uh, Mendelssohn is a... He's the most expensive horse in the race. He was purchased at a sale as a yearling for $3 million. $3 million is what this horse cost. He's earned almost $2 million of that back. 
He's a really talented racehorse, but we've seen horses come from across the pond before for this race and always finish toward the back of the field. This guy is ultra-talented. He just got out of quarantine on Thursday morning. He arrived from the UK on Monday. He goes right into quarantine while the vets check him out, etc., make sure he's not bringing anything over. I cleared quarantine, toured the Churchill Downs Oval for the first time Thursday. He's talented, but he's got a lot of things going against him. However, he just may be that good. Number 15, instilled regard. I have. I hold him. Uh, well, he's got no chance. I, I just don't understand. Um, he comes out of Louisiana. Mm, not buying at all. 16 is Magnamoon. He's the undefeated horse, one of two in this race. He's a speed horse, along with promises fulfilled. And uh, Flame Away, uh, Magna Moon is all in all likelihood going to be on or near the lead. You gotta, you gotta respect him. He's a short price. He's the third favorite in the morning line. Number sixteen, Magna Moon, trade by Todd Pletcher. He'll be on some tickets. Not sure I'm going to put him up on top. And then the rest of the field: Salamini, number seventeen; Vino Rossi, number eighteen; nineteen, Noble Indy, and Combat, number twenty. I guess if I had to uh, come up with a positive on uh, one of the uh, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, or twenty, it would be number eight, Vinny Rosso. His connections won the Kentucky Derby last year. Uh, um, one of the owners of this stable, um, uh, Mike Rapoli, actually invented vitamin water. <laughs> Gazillionaire. <laughs> Sold it for billions of dollars and got into the horse business. Uh, wants to win a Kentucky Derby. The other owner is the owner of the Florida Panthers. For If you like hockey, uh, Vinny Rosso may be your horse. But, um, you know, again, I, I can't use Vinny Rosso. Uh, he's not going to be on any tickets. So a 20-horse field, what I've essentially done, I've uh, narrowed it down to eight or nine. I've eliminated 11 horses. I'm going to put my horse on top. My horse is number six, Good Magic. Then I'm going to play around with a bunch of those horses that I liked underneath them. Again, my choice is number six. Underneath them somewhere, I'm going to use the 2, 4, 5, 7, 9, 11, 14, 16, and hope for the best, Trent Condon. You got it made. I'm you glad nailed I figured it. out. Six. What's the name of that horse? Good Magic. Good Magic. Last year's champion two-year-old. So I've been to derby parties in the past where mm-hmm. you just put 20 names in a hat and pull You pick it out. numbers, yeah. Yeah. Pull out six, you got a smile on your face. I think this year you do. Yeah, I mean, you've, seven's going to be the favorite, Justify. Mm-hmm. He's ridden by Mike Smith, who's a money, money rider, trained by Bob Baffert, who trained American Pharaoh. You've probably seen Bob Baffert. If you watch one race a year, you've seen Bob Baffert, the guy with the silver, the gray hair, whatever it is. Um, Justify is going to be the favorite, but I can't bet the favorite, Trent. Five years in a row is not going to happen. I'll tell you, this Hofberg, if you're an Iowa State fan and you can't remember the name, remember Hoiberg? It's kind of close. <laughs> Hofberg's, I think, coming into this race in the right way, and I still think he's got room to show his best um, best form. Maybe it may happen tomorrow. He's 20 to 1. So give us what what you like to do with your base. Well, I find one key horse, mm-hmm. and then I put horses underneath them in the exacta and in the trifecta, and then I'll put those horses on top, and I'll put my horse second in the exacta. Okay. The exacta is you've, you've got to find the first two horses in the exact order across the finish line. You so, can box it? Well, you can box them. That, that's exactly what I would be doing. That's what I would first do. or second. If, so find a key. Okay. So find the horse you like most. Right. And then some others you also... And then surround them with four or five. So if you use five horses mm-hmm. on a $2 exacta box, right, mm-hmm. you're using my choice, Good Magic, and I'll just throw these these 
five numbers, one, two, three, four, five underneath them. And then if you box it, you'll get one, two, three, four, five on top and six comes second. Meaning is if either number one, two, three, four, five win the race, number six finishes second, you win. That ticket will cost you $20. 20 bucks. I think it's a pretty good way to attack the Derby. Find a key horse. Mm-hmm. Can't bet them all. I've eliminated 11 of them. So there's also the crazy ones, right? Like the superfectas and the tries and... So Superfect four? Four horses. Four horses. I never play that bet. Never. I think it's a sucker bet. Now it pays lottery-like, potentially, and it has. I can't play it. I like trifectas. That's That's the first three. So a a dollar trifecta box is six bucks? For for, for three horses, yes. Three horses. Four horses, it's 24 bucks. Then it starts to get expensive. I think a five-horse tri box is 60. Okay. Then you're getting up there and you're getting past what I'm comfortable doing because mm-hmm. I want to do a few of them. And right. I just hope that one hits. Yeah, play the exactus. Yeah. Then you only need the first two horses first two in the horses. correct order to finish. Find your horse, put free drop Billy on top, put free drop Billy second. I honestly think Billy's got a chance. Yeah. I do. I really do. He's got the right running style. He's going to be plotting on late. Here's, here's a question. Let's say free drop Billy does win. What does that mean for horse racing in Iowa? Anything? I mean, it's a great story, no. but does it change? He'll never come. He'll never race at Prairie Meadows. Right. There'll be an initial surge, I'm sure, at Prairie maybe, Meadows. Maybe. I think more people would come out to, to Prairie to bet the Preakness. Yeah, yeah. Because the Triple Crown, there's only, after tomorrow, there'll only be one horse that has a chance to win right. the Triple Crown. And if it's free drop Billy, a lot of people would show up two weeks uh, from tomorrow to watch that race. So they would get a bump there. Um, the Allballs do race a lot of horses at Prairie Meadows, but again, Billy will never see the Altoona Oval. No. Never. <laughs> Don't see him out trotting around out there. No, not enough, especially if he wins. Now, right. if he doesn't, he might come for the Iowa Derby. Stud fee uh, goes up exponentially. Yeah, significantly, yeah. Without, without a doubt. And um, look, either Crawford's group or Allballs group are going to win this race one year. They they mm-hmm. this is what they focus. That's why they spend all those all that money on these horses as yearlings. All right, another question I have. Jockeys or trainers? For this race alone, what's more important? The jockey. I it's I mean the trainer's got to get him to that point, but once he throw once he tightens the saddle and throws the throws the well not throws the jockey gives the jockey a leg up into the saddle. His work is done. And then it's all on the jock and the horse to navigate, to pull the trigger at the right time, to stay out of trouble mm-hmm. in a 20-horse race. So it becomes the jockey. So 20-horse, are there, are there, taking the horses aside and just looking at, is there a jockey? Is that kind of part of what you do that, well, I got to put him, this is a number I'm taking because the jockey's on a horse. Well, in a race like this, you're going to get the best jockeys in the world because mm-hmm. they all want to win it. And there's really, I think there's one jockey riding this race for the first time, gotcha. Lone Sailor's jockey, um, and he's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, you really can't go wrong with the jockeys in this because sure. these are the best in the world. Is well, uh, North Ro- America. Is Rosie riding? She's finished. She's retired. She's retired. Yeah, she's a mom now. Yeah, my, my my wife always liked her. So no, she was really good. Well, we went out to Prairie Meadows one time. Hey, wh- who's Rosie riding? That's I'm going to bet on. She yeah. was fearless. Rosie Napravnik, fearless. Yeah. And this is a compliment. Rode like a guy. Yeah. Tough. Uh, go in this narrowest of holes. I mean, she had a huge heart. Huge heart. But no, she's. There are no female jockeys in this race. There are no female horses in this race. There's all. These it's are all, all three year old colts. Yep. So it's there you have it. Fest. What are you going to do? 
Uh, I like to. The six is actually one that I did have a peek at. Now I won't have them at the top like you do in every one. I got my trifecta six, seven, two. That's my justify. That's my official. What what would that pay? I'll box it. So I'll do a two dollar box. It'll be what twelve dollar bet. Uh, if if you hit the try, it'll pay in excess of a thousand. Despite the f- now, if Justify wins, yes, it may not. But okay. you want if you're boxing those three, you want Justify to finish third because uh-huh. all those trifecta tickets that have Justify on top by themselves by uh, alone, mm-hmm. those get ripped up. Okay. And it's paramutual betting. So all that money that goes into the trifecta pool, right? Let's say there's a million dollars in the trifecta pool. And of that million dollars, there are $10 of winning combinations. Mm -hmm. So that means that you get $100,000. That's how how payouts in horse racing are calculated. All the money goes into one pot. Mm-hmm. Then you subtract the winning tickets from that. You divide the winning tickets by the number of dollars in that pot. That's how payouts are determined. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So that'd be a nice one. That would be a good one. I'd, but I'd if Justify one. wins, your payout won't be as good because obviously there's a lot of Justify on top tickets. Well, you know what? If if Even if it's 500, I'm not going to complain. Why would you, right? No. You won the Kentucky Derby. I can't say the same for the last five years. In fact, I didn't even have to sniff the last five. I did not cash a single ticket. Not one. Not one. And I surround this race. Right. I surround it. I've got more combinations going. Well, and that shows you how difficult betting this race is. 20 horses. Right. But it can be, this is the most this is the best base of the race of the year to bet because the money, the pools are bigger than they will ever be at right. any other time. I mean, everybody's a horse racing fan the first Saturday yes. in May, yeah. right? Yeah. Even dorks like me that Even, know nothing yeah, about right. it, but have a gambling addiction and got to get something down. <laughs> I'll be firing. And you know, I'm not just going to do 672. No, no, I know you're not. Yeah. No, that's that might be the ticket that uh, your first ticket you bet, but that's certainly won't be the last yeah. one. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the program again. You can watch and wager at Prairie Meadows, uh, Wild Rose Casino in Clinton, as well as uh, Dubuque Greyhound Track. For those of you who may be listening to us via podcast in the eastern part of this wonderful state that we call home, the state of Iowa. We'll be back to wrap things up here uh, for Friday. It's the Ken Miller Show, seventeen hundred KBGG. All right, we're back to polish this one off. Thanks to Ken for his picks. Hope you enjoyed that, and uh, hopefully it makes you a little bit of money. Again, I got my trifecta box, 267. Yeah, going with the hometown horse. Well, hometown own horse in the two spot. Favorite seven, and Ken's horse, six. That's what I got. Bet with your heads, not over it. There's a PSA for you. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back. We'll be live. I'll be back from Oklahoma on Monday each and every day throughout the week from noon until 2 with myself and Ken Miller and from 4 until 6 on your drive home, Jimmy B and TC. Enjoy your sports weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday.